Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other co-host, Brendan McCullough, and I'm currently dog-sitting for my parents. How are you, Bren? <laughs> I am lacking a dog. And parents. Well, Oh, lacking. Jesus. They're just uh, on, on the other side of the country. I'm not that, That's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I'm doing pretty good. I was dog-sitting t- two, two weeks ago? No, cat-sitting, and also like three weeks ago. I What is time? Yeah, no, I get that. And speaking of cats, like, I miss my cats, but I love these dogs. They're just some elderly dogs with a, a myriad of health problems, so it's always just sad uh, seeing them go through that. But I'm here to oh, comfort yeah. them and uh, make sure nothing goes wrong while my parents are away. But yeah, I love these dogs, and I figured I'd shout them out. Uh, hopefully we don't hear them uh, barking in the background. <laughs> shout out to our favorite listeners. Dogs! Yeah, what up, dogs? Exactly. You know, man's best friend. Shout out. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, how, how's everything going in Bren World? Uh, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't I have to get into that. That's a bad That's world. fair. I was going to say, I know you have a big move coming up on the horizon, so I guess yeah. things are a little crazy. It's what, it's like that shitty situation of like, oh boy, I got to start looking for places. But it's like, I still can't move for another. I mean, I guess I could move for like this month if I want to, but I'm not planning on moving until July. So it's like, I can't set my heart on any place right now because who knows if it's still going to be available by the time I actually do move. So and stuff right. like that so it's like and anxiety ah. of new roommates and all this and that yeah uh, no roommates i'm done with roommates oh fair enough so good call it i see i've been out here in la in the same place for four going on to five years which is a lifetime for someone in la so i'm like you know what i saved up enough i don't want some fl- my roommate's only been out here a year longer than i have he's already had two or three roommates before i got here so right. I'm like, within a year's period so i'm just like you know what i don't want to do that <laughs> I'll pay a little extra to just be on my own and not have to worry about someone else's shit. Yeah. Very good. Well, that means, uh, are you finding any time to game? Uh, This is a video game podcast for anyone new. I have to just say that. It's debatably a video game podcast. Imagine someone new finding this podcast and listening now. (laughs) I feel sorry for you yeah and no, i'm doing that funny, i'm doing this too every now and then i'll like check my phone and there will be an alert on our slack that it's like oh this uh episode from a billion years ago crossed a certain listen threshold and uh, i'm like yeah. man people are listening to our old episodes <laughs> thank you why <laughs> i don't know i have no idea who that is but uh you're appreciated i appreciate you spam bot that just mistakenly <laughs> downloaded a podcast while there searching. it is it's just a bot that's fine yeah. <laughs> Number uh, one fan is a bot. <laughs> hey, you never know. Uh, they'll be it'll be a good fan to have when they eventually overthrow us and uh, exactly. try to murder like, all of us. Uh, we'll keep the ABTS guys around. They make us laugh. <laughs> the robot uprising will happen. And we're like, we're going to kill all humans because they serve no purpose and we can do everything more effectively and run the world better and more humanely. It's like, yeah, that's fair. I, I, I can't argue with that. So yeah. <laughs> you got me there. But, uh, yeah. For me, um, Unfortunately, yeah, I've been busy with life stuff and then been busy with, you know, moving stuff, work and all that. Uh, and then a lot of TNT. So uh, I play in a game on Saturdays that go a long time. And then we used to play on Wednesdays, but then that fell through because of schedules. And then half of the party from Saturday is now doing a Wednesday game with just the people who can make it. So it's like, oh, cool, two games. And then I'm starting a, to run a game myself, like DMing a game. So it's like, that's right. Yep. There's a lot going on and i gotta 
uh, like it's so much harder when you actually have to DM something. So I'm like, well, yeah, even just juggling multiple D and D games, I can't imagine like keeping track of which characters at what level. I would just be it, terrible at that. Yeah, the benefit of being a player is you, all you gotta do is focus on yourself. Like, sure, it's good to know about your party and all their stories and shit, but like, you really just gotta focus on your own. But the DM's like, you gotta know everyone and then also the world and everyone in that world and i made the mistake of picking a very big world so it's like right oh. well <laughs> i guess if you keep up with your character sheets you could always just refer to that and be like oh yeah that's what this one's and you're not mixing up characters yeah it's so much easier online i think i've talked about it before in other episodes like even when the quarantine's done and like everyone's vaccinated and safe to meet in person again i'm probably still gonna prefer to play online with people with like dnt beyond and stuff because it just simplifies shit so much, and there's so many little caveats and little special features or little technical things you forget about when even playing as your own character that, you know, the computer program remembers for you. So it's like, oh, right. this is just easier. Like, dwarves get an extra plus one health every time they level. I used to play a dwarf. I forgot that every time. And then when I put them into an app on my phone for character sheets, it's like, oh, I'm missing, like, 12 health I could have had by now. It's like, that yeah. could have been clutch at so many times. So... Not sponsored by D&D Beyond and Roll20. I wouldn't hate it if we were, though. Right, of I course. sure love a discount on some of this shit. But <laughs> uh, the downside with D&D Beyond is, like, it's... And a lot of... For, for anyone who's sick of D&D and hearing me talk about D&D, tough shit. Yep, this is uh, what you're listening It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have a D&D podcast. You yeah, know us. Kind of. uh, I'm actually playing a barbarian again in this other game. So I'm like, oh, go back to my roots. Uh, but the downside with D&D Beyond is, for anyone who doesn't know, it's, it's very much in association with D&D and Wizards of the Coast, but it's not part of Wizards of the Coast. It's not that company. It's okay. a third-party company. So if you ever look up information about a show or a video game and find a wikia or a fandom wikia where it's mm-hmm. like a fan-made Wikipedia specifically about this thing, yeah, that's owned and operated by fandom. That's the company. Fandom is the company that owns D&D Beyond. So they're just... Like a company for all the nerd shit out there for the fans, hence the name. So they run D&D Beyond, so it's a third-party company. So you can't just take the manuals and guides you bought physically and, like, scan them into the program. You have to buy them through D&D Beyond. The program, yeah. So, like, that's a downside because there's plenty of people like, I have all these books and now you want me to buy them again? It's like, ah, that... Yeah, that does suck. There should be... Well, and there's no way for them to know how you got those books. So they're enforcing, like, just purchase it, but oof. There could be, like, a barcode inside where it's like, ah, scan in here and unlock the code to unlock the content for free on D&D Beyond. But once again, if you're buying the book, you're buying it from Wizards of the Coast, the publishers who make D&D. If you're buying it on D&D Beyond, that's just a third-party company who has no real association with it other than they're sharing the product so it's like they didn't get any of that money from the book you bought but when you buy it through them they're getting the money they do exactly so that makes perfect sense why they're doing it that way yeah yeah it reminds me of like a college story where i remember i was in some really high level mathematics course and i was trying to get my double major in math i can't recall what exactly the course was but there was this particular homework that all of the whole class was dreading and i somehow it got out that i found online and torrented like the answer book and i was like <laughs> okay uh, people were literally like knocking on my door being like can i please get it? the answer book yeah. and yeah and i basically <laughs> ended up just distributing the pdf amongst the whole class being like yo keep it like cool and then <laughs> what ended up happening was so oh, we God. all handed in our our homework and it was literally all of them were identical and Perfect my professor was just like 
this is not possible. Yeah, absolute <laughs> bullshit. Disqualified all of like, like literally of sat, da- sat down the class and was like, who has this answer book or what the fuck happened? <laughs> and it, I, yeah, basically, you, I don't think I admitted uh, it, but it was just very clear that he's like, one of you guys does, and now we're going to end up using other... Uh, something else. Co- yeah, exactly. And I was like, fuck me. Yeah. So yeah, that was it, actually insane. Make a note, kids, if anyone's listening. If you're going to cheat, be smart about it. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Everyone I can't get 100% the on the test. What was I thinking? I could have had the perfect, like, 100%, and then he'd only be, like, curious about me. Be like, really? Doug is getting 100% <laughs> on this? You're not as good. But, Dude, but, I'm telling you, know, you it was really it. tough stuff, too. Oh, I'm sure. But, yeah, if you are copying stuff, you got to get some wrong. You can't all get 100%. Yes. That's insane. It was, so. like... Uh, verbatim every single answer yeah, and he was just exactly. like this is fucked <laughs> yeah I so i had to I, shout that out <laughs> i had like a microeconomics class where the teacher was like don't look this stuff up online it's it's a unique like te- like it was like a take-up test or something it's a unique homework you can't find it. i was like yeah, yeah yeah blah 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 like you know trying to stop you from looking at the answers i googled the question like word for word what the question is i was having trouble with i found the like answer sheet online i was like oh yep. there it is hell yes. <laughs> yeah sure enough like the whole thing was there and i was like Copied all of them, but I also made sure to get like one or two, like a few wrong. Exactly. So it wasn't obvious, but. Big brain right there. <laughs> it's not teaching. School is just memorizing shit. <laughs> the real trick is learning how to get that information. Exactly. Any way you can. That's the life skill you learn at school. God, that was my com- one computer uh, science uh, professor's like motto is just Google it. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> I always love the teacher. There are some teachers who are like, you need to buy this book from the school store specifically. And then there's other teachers who are like, notably my legal, like, communications law teachers. Like, you can get this book, wink, any way you can, wink, that has this information by this person, wink. Like, basically saying, like, I don't torrent the shit. I yeah. don't care. Like, the books are a scam anyway. Everyone knows this. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there's, like, plenty of teachers who are like, even if they wrote the book themselves, they're like, I'm not getting money when it's purchased. Like, I sold the rights essentially to the publisher so it's like i don't buy it i don't care yeah um sorry to derail uh but one anyway. thing you mentioned though about like the whole D scene of like once covid's over and things go back to normal how you'd prefer to stay digital yeah it's kind of funny i'm the exact opposite when it comes to this whole harry potter trading card game stuff because i've been participating in this online tournament and i've been getting my ass kicked i'm like literally not making it anywhere but uh long story <laughs> short the one game i rem- the one game i did win a round in and then lost the next two but the the one i won i'm pretty sure i used the this card called Slytherin Match, which is a healing match, and you heal 15 cards, which, like, when you're playing in person, it's easy. You go through your discard pile, grab the 15 you want, and then shuffle, and you're done. On the online interface, it's not, like, that much of a problem, but it's just so much more tedious, and I was just like, God, I just cannot wait to just, like, be like, oh, this person's right in front of me. I know the cards they're using have to be real cards. Well, then again, maybe with the revival, they'll allow proxies in the tournaments, it, regardless, it, well, uh, I don't know. This game is so specific, like so unique, and like the fact that like it was only being published and sold for like what thirty four years, if that. That like, if you are going to have tournaments, you're going to kind of have to need to allow proxies, or else you're going to have half the people if not like a third of the people actually playing right. and that's what the whole point of the revival is all these revival cards every one of them is a proxy it has to be printed for free or by yourself you cannot buy them anywhere or sell them yeah. anywhere so but the proxies i was referring to though are proxies of the existing cards i'm curious if they're going to allow that but uh it might as well because yeah they're not easy to come by either so 
But uh, yeah, it's just funny. I would much prefer to play the card game in person than uh, the online format. But it is nice having an online uh, opportunity to do that mm-hmm. and build decks and meet people that way. So I'm just glad this tournament even has people participating. There's like 30 of us and it's, it's so going weird. really well. So it's, it's super cool. <laughs> it's so weird that it even exists. It, like, it it's, is. It's cool. It's just weird. I agree. But I could, with that, I can understand more. I mean, going back to the proxy cards, it's not like you can make a proxy card and then like Sharpie in where it's like, ah, drive, uh, draw two extra cards. <laughs> Sharpie and like draw four extra cards. Like, yeah. if you play down the card, if you're playing this game, everyone you know what knows what that card is. So exactly. Like, you can't really cheat it. So it's like, yeah, let the, you know, uh, maybe have like a ref or whoever's there like running the tournament, look at all the cards to make sure they're, you know, appropriate legit. or legit. Yeah. But like, yeah, use proxies, especially with such a limited resource where you got, People scalping tickets out and fucking like take uh, like taking out their college savings to buy cards to then scalp them and like recoup the loss because it's it's insane the prices and the price gouging people are going on. Oh my god, um, yeah. But with your situation, it's like a card game and it's tournament. That I can understand much more preferring to play in person and stuff. Totally, yeah. It's just you got your deck and you play the card game. DD's complicated. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely so true. um one one thing I Back when I played in person with friends, I did have I printed out a character sheet. I had a little notebook. I took notes down. I I wrote in the character sheet and then erased it anytime there was a stat change and shit. Oh yeah. If if I were to play in person again, I'd probably do what a buddy of mine was doing, and he had like a little tablet, kind of like it was like the size of a Kindle. Like it was like for reading. It wasn't really used for. It wasn't a full tablet size. Right. Um. And he downloaded the D and D Beyond app through that, and like a dice roller or he had his own physical dice too but like i would i would have my character sheet and stuff that i can easily modify digital yeah instead of doing a physical pen and paper because it was just it was so much and it's nice having a program there to back you up when you forgot something so uh even if we do go back to in person at least the group i'm playing with now half them's in arizona so we can only do it online but i probably would would no longer use pen and paper because Honestly, I don't even know if I have paper in my apartment anymore, so I don't Dude, have a printer. What the fuck is up with Arizona, though? Not to call you out, Arizona, but uh, <laughs> are they... I got problems. Well, no, they don't acknowledge daylight savings time, and I nope. feel like or uh, maybe part of them don't, because that's the co-host no, of my other it. podcast uh, is Statewide. from there. And yeah, when we were like trying to schedule something, it's like, oh, I'm MST, uh, we're EST, blah, blah, blah. We were still off an hour, and we're like, why? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. It's... It's easy for me because I'm in California. So for half the year, Arizona's an hour ahead of us. For the other half of the year, we're the same time. God so damn it. it's easier for us because it's not that much math for you. It's like it would be three hours to two hours, depending on what time of the year it is. So, yeah, it can be a little annoying. but It is. And even when you Google it, it's wrong. It's like, oh, they're two hours behind you. I'm like, technically, it's- they're three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, daylight savings times in general is an outdated practice that we are probably okay, better Maybe off we should that. all uh, take a page out of Arizona's book, actually. It's, it's yeah. not a bad idea. Yeah. But um, uh, that's the thing. Before we migrate off the trading card topic real quick, I did buy mm-hmm. on tr- Facebook Marketplace for $20. This person was Ooh. selling their entire Dragon Ball Z trading card collection. And I'm like, God damn right, it, dog. Dude, it's like a you huge. You don't even play that one. It's a what huge binder. And I was thinking to myself, let me get these cards and see if I'm even going to play it or if I'm just going to collect it. You're not. <laughs> no, here's the thing, Brent. That game seems super complicated. I was watching multiple YouTube videos of people trying to explain how to play. And it's. It's a lot, but um, I feel like I could definitely get into it. Uh, that's the thing, though. Talk about, like, n- 
I, you were surprised that Harry Potter seeing resurgence. I'm not because that game's easy to get into. I feel like even younger players could just like pick up the game, understand the cards and just hit the ground running. This yeah. Dragon Ball Z shit. Holy <laughs> fuck. I don't even know what's going on. There's so many numbers, uh, power levels, uh, energy attacks, physical attacks. Like it's actually a lot to oh uh, take in. But then again, I was paging through the collection I purchased for $20 and I definitely feel like I got my money back. It depends on <sighs> who's interested in this, but long story short, there were some holographics, there were some rares. Um, I'm very happy to at least have uh, my foot in the door in the DBZ trading card or CCG, but, um, I don't know. I would love to play it one day, but I, I don't even know where to begin with building a deck, but at least I have a, my own collection started for very cheap. You're, you're just a trading card guy now. I am. You're I just... always, dude, honestly, I always was as a kid. It's just like I'm an adult, like rekindling that passion. And like, that's the thing. I just, I'm a record collector. I'm just a collector. I like collecting the rarest version of this, re- this record variant and things like that. So like to have like, Oh, this ultra rare card for the DBZ trading card game, which I don't have. There's like, that's the cool thing about the rarity of the DBZ trading card game is it's all based on the Dragon Ball. So a one star ball is common. The built in rarity. Yeah. Uh, two star ball is promo. Three is uncommon. Four is actually something that was put into a starter deck five is rare six is ultra rare and then seven star ball is uber rare and apparently ultra rares are incredibly hard to come across let alone an uber <laughs> rare so like yes yeah, they're ultra rare exactly no and that's the thing people like will open entire boxes of booster packs and uh not even see one so it's uh, Definitely, if you get your hands on one of those, those are probably where the money's at. But uh, again, these boxes, I feel like a year ago, were selling for $300. Now they're over 2000 The trading card game scene is just like completely blown up every single card's pricing. Um, but yeah, I'm not interested in buying any of these, except in a chance where it's like, yeah, for $20, I'll get like 500 cards. This is pretty cool. You got a house. You could remortgage that baby. God damn it. I already did remortgage it, but not for cards or anything, but uh, just to save some money. You're going to be cut to a year from now. You're making your own trading cards. Yes, of the oh. niche math rock indie bands. That God damn it! Records for I would love like, to do something like that, but that's not realistic. But team my, up with some artist and like also put that in the store line. Of the like newest trading card game cards. to the scene is called MetaZoo, and it's all about cryptids, what? and it's it's completely blowing up. Uh, my my co-host sent me a couple cards just to like try to pique my interest and i i'm very interested just not gonna bite because i'm like dude i am too far deep in the harry potter let alone any others like dbz is an exception but uh fucking metazoo already people are like uh it's selling out everywhere you can buy it is this new because it's popular oh yeah copyright 2020 okay it is a new card absolutely this literally just came out they're pokemon yeah oh yeah but it's cryptids it's cryptids you got no it's pokemon holographics and stuff like super rare uh cryptids you're looking for i don't know sasquatch i have no idea there's like memes about the squonk and stuff definitely look into metazoo if if you want to look into a trading card game of the modern times but yeah not a dead trading card game unlike harry potter and dragon ball z well actually there i think they might still be doing stuff with panini i don't know the dbz cards i have were by a company called score and they are way long dead I don't understand any of the words you're saying. Is this what it's my all good. dad felt like? Yes. What the hell is happening? No, right it's now? okay. We can move on from the trading card game stuff. I can bring I it back to like, video games somehow. It's just so mind-boggling. It is. Uh, speaking of mind-boggling, all I'm playing is still Fall Guys, believe it or not. Um, I know you believe that. 
But it's literally the only thing you ever play. Now. I was talking about it last week. I think how there was season four point five update on the horizon. They just like out of nowhere were like, "Hey, it's happening tomorrow," and everyone was like, "Holy shit!" So we Surprise. got it. And it's the first iteration of crossplay, so I was finally able to like snipe some of my favorite PC uh, Fall Guys players uh, games. But the thing with that is like it's very similar to Rocket League when they introduced crossplay in the beginning. It's not like full crossplay where it's like oh you can have someone on PC in your party as a PlayStation member. No, you can snipe each other's games, but you can't, like, party up, which kind of sucks because there's, like, a whole mode centered around that called squads. And, like, yeah, you mm-hmm. can't have squads cross-play, which kind of sucks. But I yeah. feel like that'll be in an update very soon, maybe even Season 5, who knows. But, yeah, added two new maps, uh, a bunch of variations to the levels, um, including an anti-gravity version of hexagon and thin ice. So yeah, it's basically just like slower versions of that because you're able to just like kill time by jumping around slowly, uh, like moon bounce around the map. Uh, it's all around. I'm enjoying the new season update and just thrilled that we already have crossplay. I remember a lot of people were speculating. We're not even going to get that, get that to like midsummer or something. And here we are getting the first iteration of it shows that they care and are listening. Cause they did a big, uh, survey recently, but, um, I'm seeing a lot of like the really like popular Fall Guy streamers all not thrilled with it. So it's very polarizing. To me, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, one of the other things that I forgot to mention earlier is that they also introduced custom games. So you can basically make your own lobby. If you are like a big streamer, for instance, and have like a hundred people tuning in, you put up a code on the screen. Everybody punches that code into their Fall Guys and now you're all on the same map. But the thing, the catch with custom games is nobody gets a crown at the end. It's just like yeah, winning no for the experience. sake of winning. Exactly. Because so, otherwise, there's been a few on, uh, games that have online multiplayer that do that where uh, if it's a custom one, you can't, I forget, I can't think of an example right now. Yeah. But, because otherwise you can rig it where it's like, exactly. custom game with me and my buddy and I win all the time. Everyone just, just uh, throw for me on this and like yeah, for exactly. these 10 and then I'll throw for you the next 10. And yeah, everyone's just harvesting crowns like illegally. Yeah. It makes perfect sense why they did it that way. But, um, did that. That's what I was thinking of. Okay, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. But yeah, all in all, I, a lot of cool things coming from them. It's even just like the user interface is like quicker, less buggy. I feel like the acquisition by Epic is now starting to become noticeable, and I'm very excited to see what future seasons have in store. And uh, yeah, full crossplay opportunities with like yeah, squatting up with my pals and stuff. So all around, like huge, huge update for them, and I think it's gonna keep this game just as popular as it is now for a little bit longer with the custom games can you choose what games are in yeah show i think i think that's the thing i haven't really set up my own personally but i've joined a few but um when i was watching another streamer i I think i saw a part of the menu where they could choose maps i'm like that's amazing that's good because i know everyone hates the tail grab one yeah oh god it's absolutely the worst one of my least favorite maps for sure yeah, so if you could do a custom game and just be like, it's identical to a regular game, except we're just not doing the shitty ones. Exactly. People would be thrilled about that. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty chaotic and fun. Uh, it, and yeah, perfect for streamers. Oh my god, it's so cool. Yeah. Uh, do you think the streamers are, the popular streamers that play it a lot, are getting annoyed because the, the uh, updates or additions are stuff that are making it easier for players? Because they're annoyed because they're the ones who 
whose job it is to play this, so of course they're the ones who are best at it. So yeah, they're just I like, think, ah, they're adding baby mode, so it's easier for everyone. So yeah, right. especially with the anti-gravity stuff. It feels like they're like leveling the, the playing field as far as like, well, you don't even need to be that skilled, and you could just happen to be in the spot where you get the last jump or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think... The the complaints to me just seem to come from a perspective of like you take this game too seriously, so just chill. <laughs> but then that's, again, that's I, the most complaints for mostly everything. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. But then again, they are the ones winning thousands of crowns, so maybe the devs should be listening to them. But I don't know. Should they? It's <sighs> that's a, a really good question. Actually, it's I'm not really situation. sure because I've also heard certain uh, streamers say like they should just remove the grabbing mechanic altogether, and that's like a very good player at the game. And I'm like, I think that would just Fuck everything up. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's relatable, so I bring it back to it, but you and I haven't played it, but in a while, Overwatch, all the character buffs and debuffs were based not on the community, not based on, like, community games. It was based off the Overwatch League once that was started. So oh, it was geez. based off the professional players. So once it was going, they're like, hey, people are really shutting shit down with Symmetra a lot, almost to the point where she's broken and super powerful if you know how to play her right. Let's rework her entire build and change her almost entirely from what she was from the beginning of the game. It's like, why? Yeah, like, that oh, sucks. because of the Overwatch League, the professional players were, you know, cheesing this one gimmick and made her, like, impossible to kill. It's like, cool. That doesn't happen that much in the community games. Like, even the people that watch the Overwatch League aren't doing it that much because it's hard to do. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we get that. But also, this character is completely different now. It's like, as someone who played a lot of Symmetra, who was very good with Symmetra, because she was a great character, she's entirely different now. It's like, well, fuck me. Like, and they did that with Tjorborn, and they've done that with a plenty of other characters, and it's like, it, it's tough. I mean, I'm not going to act like it's simple. I'm be like, oh, just do this. Right. Uh, why don't you do this? It's super easy. I'm not going to say you have to cater to the people that play your game the most and who give it the most popularity with, like, the streamers, but also you can't ignore the wide community that you have and you know if they're saying this game is hard yeah maybe offer an easier mode yeah or maybe not have that mode in circulation like maybe have a way to get that mode out of circulation like, like have the regular games for like a showcase and then have like a showcase with like modded games where they have low gravity or they have you know this or that or faster speed or no grabbing or something like this where it could be easier to play but still being you know, community game where you're getting experience from it. Right. I think they need to like listen to both extremes. Listen to the new players and the the pros because also new players to this. Man, I can't imagine being a brand new player to Fall Guys Season Four Point Five because some of these variants to the maps they've added are incredibly challenging. And I feel like they purposely did that because all of us playing Season Four thus far are all very familiar with these maps. So it's like they want us to uh, have a challenge and be like, oh man, new obstacles. But for anybody new, it's just like, oh man, a fuck ton of obstacles because you weren't even familiar with the original ones. So <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely an interesting season and I understand a bit from both sides. But overall, I'm seeing more people having fun than complaining. So uh, definitely should be exciting to see what the future has in store for Fall Guys. You certainly don't want to like shun away the people that devote a lot of time to your game. But it's like that guy that platinumed on like 500 games on so um Yes, and then expected and it, something from them. It's like, cool. <laughs> we never told you you'd get anything. You did this on your own merit. Yep, I remember Good we had a whole episode like, about that guy, yeah. So it's the same thing with that. It's like, I have 10,000 hours in Fall Guys. Uh, they should cater my opinion because I know the game inside and out. It's like, cool. Should they? No. Yeah. 
cool, but like no, like just because you played a ton and devote your time, your life to this for some reason, doesn't mean you have input or value in the game's creation. Right. But on the flip side, with the community, if you don't have an actively growing community, the game will fall off. If you only make the game accessible to the people that devote at least a hundred hours to the game, you're gonna have less and less people playing it, and eventually the game is going to die off and collapse. Yeah. So you need a constantly growing community. That's why, like, I played Apex Legends for a hot minute. It's a fun game. It's a good game. I honestly would play it if I had, like, two people to regularly play it with because it's, like, a trio of a team. And, like, it's a fun game. And they need to keep it accessible to newer players to keep the the player base growing or else it'll just slowly die off. Eventually that'll happen anyway with pretty much every game. But you got to keep new players active. So there's an incentive to make it easier for them so that they're able to get into a game and actually play it and have fun versus the guy that has 10,000 hours and is doing weird glitch runs to break through the modes and like yes. win it every time. So you kind of need to cater to the major community at large and new players rather than the old players. And I say that as the old player of Overwatch is like, they changed it from how it was in the beginning. Right. I, if it was more accessible, if they were saying like, hey, Symmetra's broken and difficult to understand, and she was. She was kind of a really weird build, especially for an online hero arena shooter. Like, she's, she was pretty unique in a lot of ways. If they're like, this character is too inaccessible for new players, and we're going to have to change her a bit to make her more accessible, I'd be fine with. But they completely reworked her entire build, but and it was based on the pro, the Overwatch League, like, professional players, not new players. So... And that's, I've said it before, that's a game where they said from the beginning, it was not going to be a competitive game because they did not build it that way. So it's not going to be streamlined enough and like specific enough to be considered a competitive game. Now that it is a competitive game because there's money in that market, that's all they're focusing on because that's where the money is. And that's where they reworked the entire game around. And that's why people take the competitive mode so seriously, even though it's inherently broken and dumb. Yeah. So, sorry. That's my rant. I I know. about Overwatch. (laughs) I know that one uh, comes up every now and then. And yeah, that's all I, I got to say about C- season 4.5. I'm excited about it. I'm actually super excited to stream Fall Guys next opportunity I get. Cause then, yeah, and some of the viewers I have are PC players. They'll be able to snipe if they want. So just all yeah, around yeah. very cool, uh, crossplay update. Yeah. I'm sure there's going to be crossplay coming, but it's not easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> so takes a while, but. But how about you? Honestly, that's really all I've been playing tonight. I am going to be doing a very long stream of Dark Cloud 2. So uh, hopefully any of our listeners, if you have any interest in that, you could tune in or check that VOD out. Uh, I'm doing all right. I can throw a little shade at you because I'm still playing Binding of Isaac, so not too much. But I also was playing... uh, God, I've been like repeating the name in my head all day just so I can say it right on the podcast and I'm fucking up right now. Been there. Oyeja... Oyeja. Yeah, oh, so, I know. Yes, I remember you talking about this. God, that reminds me. Yeah. That happened to me once when we were doing an interview. I don't even remember which one specifically, but we I literally, right before we start recording, I'm like, hey, can you just you run your name by me again real quick <laughs> so I get it right? And they do. And I'm like, okay, got it. Immediately got it wrong. Yeah, that was so <laughs> shitty. <laughs> it, it, in a previous D&D campaign my, uh, another player was like I like how Brendan does his character bit like his, this bit for his character where he gets all the NPC names wrong it's like haha yeah a bit a bit I'm exactly. definitely doing that intentionally yep. <laughs> and I'm not just dumb 
<laughs> God damn. But yeah, uh, so I've been playing more Binding of Isaac. I'm getting, you know, I'm unlocking some of those other characters I talked about where they have like the super mode for them and stuff. Uh, I'm not as, like I said, I'm not as driven with those because those modes are so weird and crazy to play. So I'm not like, it's mostly like, hey, I'm playing this game anyway. Might as well try and unlock something new passively as opposed to like, I got to get the 100%. Right. Um, so I've talked about it at length enough of times. One thing I did unlock, though, was a new challenge. Like I've talked about, there's a challenge list where it gives you a unique build and you have to beat the game with a unique uh, restrictions on you. Yeah. One of them is for Kane. I think it's called Cantrips, uh, where essentially you play as uh, Kane, who's a character with like an eye patch and his, uh, pretty standard stats. The catch with this is uh, your items that you get that would upgrade you, you have like passive and active ones. You get none of those. None of them are in the game. Instead, there's cards. So you'll, you'll like this. There's cards for everything, and each card is an item. Uh, I'm not be, sure if I'm going to like it. Is it more cards like uh, Chain of Memories cards, or just like... <laughs> no, we don't <laughs> talk about that one. Yeah, no, we really shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but cards are an item in the game. So in this, you can hold up to five cards. Or I think you start off holding four cards. And then each card is an item. And when you use it, it's active for the room. Sometimes it carries over to other rooms and you get very lucky. But for the most part, it's active just in that room. And then when you walk into a new room, it disappears. And then every time you beat a boss, your uh, your pack to hold a card increases by one. So by the end, you have like seven cards on you. You can hold them all. And it's just very cool that they have this new way of like doing the ability. Like, honestly, oh, yeah. it's it's a challenge and it's only for five levels as opposed to like the 12 or whatever it could be with the DLCs. Um, but honestly, it was just a really fun game mode of just like cards drop all the time from a bunch of enemies. So you're cycling through like, oh, this card's shit. Let me burn this right now. Pick up a new one. You don't know what it is. It's random. So you pick up a new one. It's like, oh, this one's also shit. Let me just burn this right now. It's like, oh, this one's good. Let me save it for the boss fight at the end of the level and just managing it that way. So it's, it's a really, it's just really cool seeing them do the challenges of just these fun little like restrictions and game modes, but also still really innovative with this game design that they've had for i think almost a decade now i think Isaac came out 2011 or something wow and still being like yo this is still fun like this is still a cool game out and you know i beat the challenge the first run i did it it's not hard per se but it was fun enough where i might do it again just because like uh the other one's isaac's awakening where you have a shield and sword like link and link's awakening it's like this is just a fun game mode even without the challenge Hell yeah. So, yeah, once again, can't sing the praises of Finding Isaac enough. It's just really fucking cool, and it's infinitely playable. Um, both Oija, uh, that is it's a great game, but I'm going to say right up front, unfortunately, there was no animation that is what initially hooked yeah, me into what? it. <laughs> so, going, it, it's not that uncommon. It's like a, a game studio will hire out an animation studio to make a trailer, like an animated trailer. Because if you don't like pixel graphics, it's going to be kind of hard to sell you on this game because it's all pixel graphics. Gotcha. But if they make an animated trailer and they're like, here's the premise, here's what the mechanics of it look like. And you're like, yo, that kind of looks dope, though. And it's like, oh, by the way, it's pixel. It's like, okay, I'm not that crazy about pixels, but I'm hooked enough by the trailer to give this a shot. And that's what happened to me. Like what uh, Chrono Trigger is like, it's like the animations of by like the guy or like even just drawings of the characters by the guy that did dragon like ball Z. yeah definitely yeah. 
Um, but it's, then, yeah, the gameplay is just like, I don't know, old school Final Fantasy looking. Well, that's like the difference. Like in Chrono Trigger, it's like cutscenes. The cutscenes are always, you know, rendered in high definition graphics and like it looks, you know, because you can put more time into that because it's it's an automated thing the player's not having any impact on. Right. So that's just a cutscene in Chrono Trigger. Um, and all the designs were by Toriyama, so they all look like Dragon Ball Z characters. So Chrono Trigger's fantastic game, incredible game. Even like to this day, it still does shit that's incredible that other games haven't done or done nearly as well. Um, and this one though, it was mostly like this was just the commercial for it. They paid gotcha. a studio to animate a commercial for it, and it's a it looks great. Like it looks awesome. I want a TV show about this. It looks awesome. But the actual game itself is just all pixels. And it still looks great. They still, you know, push the pixels to their limits and make it very clear and identifiable. And, like, they really do a lot of neat stuff with it. But pixels aren't my preferred, like, style of the genre. So I definitely got hooked in by the animated trailer. But that's what it's made for. So that being said, maybe eight to ten hours. Wait, let me see real quick. Oh, God. Um, not a very long game, per se, but it was also, like, 15 bucks at full price, so it's not, like, an expensive game either. Right. Uh, let me see, what was it? Uh, oh, 6.9 hours. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so, like, yeah, I got seven hours in the game to beat it, and I got six out of the ten achievements, like, without even really trying. So it's not a difficult game. You can easily 100% it if you want to, if that's your goal. Um but with this, I beat it, and it's... Did I talk about it last time? Did I get into it? I don't I think, remember. I don't think I, I really got into it yet. Um, basically, you play as a character who just got shipwrecked. You're the captain of the ship, and you get shipwrecked. And you yes. just wake up in this shipwrecked town. And it's literally just like a floating... It's not even a city. It's just floating huddle of other shipwrecked survivors from either your ship or from others. And they just piece together any abandoned pieces of wood they can find, like driftwood, and tie it together. And like, hey, we're out here trying to live. Shit sucks. And you go out and try and find your crewmates. And on the way, you find this magical harpoon that you can teleport to. And you find out this other society that uh, that exists there as well. And they kind of shun you because, you know, you're strangers from an outside land. And you're, you know, you're, you're messing with magical shit that you have no business being involved with. And it's just like there's four four major areas, probably two areas in each of those four areas, and almost no dialogue. There's kind of a narrative with like text appearing from like the villain, who's mm-hmm. kind of, and then also this guy who's your like sh- your boatman who like sh- like ferries you around between the different areas. Uh, so he's kind of the narrator, and then the villain will also narrate a lot of stuff. But like otherwise, there's really no verbal dialogue or storytelling which makes it more impressive with how much they can get away with like not a game get away with that makes it sound malicious but how much of the story they can convey without a ton of the story without having to explain it and just tell you word for word think it's something i really enjoy it's something i really hated in an anime i watched recently i won't <laughs> get into that that's a whole tangent on itself for another podcast <laughs> but in that anime they explained everything to death and then they fuck off and don't even use it half the time and and i'd rather them just show you it through the visual storytelling and that's what oija does it shows you what you need to know and if you're kind of confused 
you either weren't paying attention or it is pretty vague at times. So like understandable, but that's what they were doing. Like that's kind of an intentional goal of theirs. But yeah, so you start off, you get, you go into this cave, you find this magical harpoon, you rescue some of your crewmates and you rescue this woman who was kept in this box by this weird black ooze monster that the big villains, like the ooze. And then there's like smaller ooze, like henchmen, like kind of it's minions that it controls. And they're kind of like this weird cursed people like plaguing in this land. And then the woman you rescue is kind of like this leader, this messiah figure for these other people that have been shunning you because you're outsiders. And half of them are like, oh, thank you for rescuing her. And the other half are like, you fucked up. I re-. Like, she was our sacrifice to this black ooze thing. Like, now that she's free, like, we don't know what will happen. So you got this weird dynamic going on. and You get other weapons. You get a, a rapier. You get a shotgun and crossbow and stuff. And it's it's not necessarily a Metroidvania, but it may be like a Metroidvania light, if you want to call it that. Okay. Um, but it's like a side-scrolling, yeah, pixel game. And like I said, it, it feels like Hotline Miami and Deadbolt where it just, it hits hard. Like yes. when you shoot something, when you hit something, the like, screen shakes and it just feels powerful as hell. Um, in the demo when I played it, I was talking about how there's like a build-up and I wasn't really understanding it. They don't explain it in the game. It's very light on explanation for both mechanics and story unfortunately but it it adds a great level of mystique to it yeah i guess that's an easy cop-out like thing for a a studio to do they're like ah we're mysterious (laughs) we don't know the answer to our own questions (laughs) it's an indie studio they don't have to explain anything they don't want to yeah fair enough because if you get too like in the weeds with stuff that can lose like the magic like the anime i was like railing against i'm like they explain everything to death right. to the point where i don't give a shit about that world because they explained every nuance to it and then half the time they don't even follow their own rules and oija it's like hey is there a weird slime creature sure are there weird like flying monkey things maybe i don't know like it's so loose it's like a studio it's like spirited away it's like anything can exist here so why shouldn't it like we don't have to explain what does and doesn't yeah, we don't need and, to know that the wizards at Hogwarts are vanishing their poo, and it's like, well, then why do they have, the do they have bathrooms? That, anyway. <laughs> what does that do to the story? That tells that progresses nothing. Why did you tell us this? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's just a cool story. The mechanics hit well. Um, oh, like I said, the power-up. Uh, you see a little meter building. So when you hit an enemy, you see like a white dot appear. And then when you hit him again, uh, and within quick enough succession, you see the white dot expand to like a white circle. And when you hit him again, it expands to like three white circles and you see like with the fourth one you kind of have this orange like glow around you and then when you attack again with that whatever attack you do is powered up so whether it's with the harpoon whether it's with the rapier or your secondary weapon whether it's with the shotgun um, or even if you throw your rapier and just punch someone like that's powered up as well so that's really helpful against certain enemies like that's a way to just instantly kill them as opposed to like whittling away at their health and it's very good against the bosses. So, but it's also like Dark Souls, where it's like, we didn't hold your hand. We showed you what the mechanic is, and then you solved how it works. And now you feel more satisfied when you use it because you feel like you actually learned it as that character. Right. Versus just this mystical text being like, if you press B enough times, you'll get a power up. So, but yeah, it's just, it's hard to explain because I don't really know a ton of what happened in the game. But it's just, it's a very satisfying, cool, like, cast away in a new world uh, kind of story. And you're not like a savior. You're not like, you're a savior of your crew, of the shipwrecked guys. 
but you're not like a savior of the people of like, I'll rescue you native folk. I'm the colonist. I'll gentrify you. And like all that. It's like, Ugh, this feels weird. Cause a lot of them attack you and they're like, no, you shouldn't be here. Um, but yeah, you go through, you, you know, you find the magical keys or whatever, you unlock different areas. You can find music boxes throughout as like a little achievement. You can find your, all your crewmates. I missed one of them. And I would say the downside of the, the benefit is this game is very short. The downside is if you want to do a completionist and like find everything, I'm pretty sure there's certain areas where if you miss it, you can't go back. So like certain dungeons Damn. are kind of sealed off once you do them. Right. So I'm pretty sure I didn't rescue. I rescued nine out of the 10 crewmates and I'm pretty sure one of them was in an area I can't go back to now. So that kind of sucks, but also it's a short enough game where like, yeah, I wouldn't mind playing this game. It's not like a drag to like slog through all the story and the narrative all over. Like, yeah, you could probably power through this and beat it even faster once you know how to do it. But yeah, the combat was really cool. There's a sequence where you fight three guardians at once that have one of your abilities. One has like, you know, a very melee focused one. One has a ranged one and one is a buffer that's healing them as they fight. And you really have to coordinate your abilities to counter them individually while fighting them all at the same time. So it's like, it's just a really solid game, especially for 15 bucks. And uh, one cool thing is as you're rescuing crewmates, the little raft town that's just floating on the ocean, you see it progressing. You find a guy that's like a hat maker and the hats are what gives you bonus abilities. So like one hat gives you electric attacks if you charge it up enough. The downside is there's a lot of water everywhere. If you're standing in water and you get shocked, you're Shit. also going to get hurt. Yeah. So, so that was kind of a double-edged sword. But then there's other ones where it's like you have a feather in your hat and every time you dash, the feather stays where you were and then it'll linger for a second and then fly back to your hat and any enemies that are in the path of that feather get hurt. So it's like this weird delayed ranged attack that you can kind of plan with and really coordinate kind of unique attacks with and combos. So uh, you rescue like the hat maker, you rescue your other crewmates and you see your little village develop like every time you come back with a new crewmate and it's kind of cool seeing it progress and you see like a, you rescue a tailor and all the guys are wearing the same uniform as you do and stuff and it's just very neat. Like it's very, very subtle because it's all pixel and it's hard to convey those details but like if you're paying attention to stuff you'll see a lot of little stuff and it's really well done. Nice. So yeah, I beat that like, yeah, like I said, pretty much seven hours. Highly recommend it if you just want a good, short, side-scrolling, like, action game with just a really cool story, but one that doesn't, like, beat you over the head with it. So, yeah. Real good game. Very cool. Figured it's something new. God, yeah. I gotta change it up good before, job, I, before I commit to Devil May Cry. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, and yeah, at least, yeah, I'm interested to hear about that that game. I never really got into that franchise particularly. So am I. Someday. Yeah. It'll happen. Uh, and yeah, same with me and Dark Cloud 2. It's happening tonight. Apparently, you'll see. Uh, I'll probably just stream Fall Guys. But anyway, uh, mm-hmm. let's see what's going on in the news quick before we wrap this one up. I don't have too much. Uh, two quick ones is uh, PlayStation 5 uh, DualSense controllers are going to be available in Cosmic Red and Midnight Black. Because mm-hmm. as of right now, they're only available in white to match the console. Um, that's cool. I like both. The red particularly looks really nice. Um, Basta yeah. was saying they look like Xbox controllers. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I guess <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you what an Xbox controller. I, right. I I stopped with the Xbox at the 360. So whatever's happened since then, I don't know. The big uh, Dual Sense pad in the middle just very much distinguishes it from an Xbox controller to me. But I don't know. I'm sure there's an argument somewhere. 
I mean, a lot of game controllers look the same. The the Switch Pro controller, the Steam. Yes, uh, the Steam controller. Yeah, Steam controller. They all look similar. Why is that? Because it works. It's exactly. ergonomic. Like at this point, everything's kind of streamlined and gentrified to the same way because. That's the best build. If someone can build something better, then they'll all switch to that. But as of right now, that's kind of like the best controller people are the most used to versus now, the, old, the old NES controllers, which are a tiny brick. I, I was going to say, we all know there's the peak controller of all controllers is N64 or GameCube. I'm just what kidding. No, I don't know. I'm just what, totally right. kidding. People, some people uh, actually believe that. I will... I would defend or at least see the grounds for an argument about the GameCube controller. Yeah, right. N64 has Absolutely no business. <laughs> that was just a monstrous. Yeah, I like, had to shout both out. I Like I said, I played it like not too long ago, so it's not just nostalgia anymore for me. It's in recent memories. And just yes. clawing my hand around two-thirds of the controller <laughs> and then the D-pad's over here, but you don't know what games use the D-pad and which games don't because some of them did. And it's like, why... Who? Yeah, what, what alien fuck? was testing this and yeah. being like, this is what we need, actually. This is dumb. GameCube, I'll, I'll admit, looks awful. It visually looks awful. But maybe it's just the years of playing Smash Brothers. Like, yeah. it feels good. Like It somehow works. It yeah. The, yeah, it shouldn't work, but it does. Yes. Um. So, so yeah, yeah, does PlayStation Store look like Xbox? Kinda, but they all kind of look the same at this point. Agreed. It's just the buttons are arranged differently. But now we got Cosmic Red and Midnight Ooh. Black. So yeah, very, very pretty. Uh, still going to be $70. Uh, or actually, yeah, 75 maybe? Oh, God. Anyway. Um, I'm never one to really care about the controllers and stuff or like this, like the aesthetic of the console. Like, ooh, you can get the skin and wrap around the console. I'm still thinking about that Animal Crossing one for the Switch. No, for like sure. The they totally controller and a teal. They even have that in the Animal Crossing game, like that yeah. version of the Switch. I'm like, God damn it. You guys are Shit, extra selling good. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's a, a pretty big selling point for the next gen consoles like PS5 is like these haptic feedbacks and stuff on your controllers. So they're yeah. very high tech. And yeah, every now and then my PS5 will tell me like, Oh, you need to update your controller. I'm like, Jesus, I've never had to do that before. <laughs> um, but then the other Seven thing I had hours. was, uh, Target. Uh, and apparently Walmart, I found out recently, are going to stop selling Pokemon cards altogether in stores. Uh, I think they'll still be available online, so they're just going to promote people uh, getting their bots ready <laughs> to yep. just buy everything out, just like yep. PlayStation 5s and shit. But uh, yeah, no, uh, apparently someone pulled the gun in a Target parking lot somewhere, <laughs> and they're like, all right, we're done. So, but yeah. It's insane. No one is arguing that it isn't insane that it's come to this point over trading cards. Yeah, we talked about it for but, a good portion of the first half of, the, half of this episode. Yeah, but when the cards, when a card pack of just like seven cards, which back in the day could have been five, seven dollars, maybe a dollar for a card, still overpriced, yep. but you know, it was, you know, under 10 at least, I, I yeah. hopefully. But now when just that single packet of cards could potentially be five thousand dollars, and someone in the Target parking lot has 45 of them and bought out the whole stock, I could see how it could get to the point of someone drawing a gun. Yeah. Like, because that's like like $4,000 for a pack of cards times 45. That's a lot of money. Yeah, and people are scalping and doing all sorts of stuff with these packs. Yeah, Yeah, just turning around, flipping a profit. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure the guy pulling the gun probably had malicious intent. Well, obviously. (laughs) He had a gun, Douglas. Yeah. No, you never know. He was just like, I'm yeah, trying to get these that. packs for my kids, dude. No, Here, let me get those open for you. Bop, bop, bop. <laughs> Jesus. It's, 
if anyone has ever had the delusion that the free market would regulate itself, here you fucking go. Yeah, exactly. It will not. No. So it's insane. It's insane it's come to this point where a retailer is openly saying, we don't care about the money anymore. This isn't worth it. Yeah. It's going online. It's crazy how it got that toxic and this popular. And yeah, aren't you just proud that I'm not into Pokemon? I'm into all the card games no one cares you about. You don't know. You don't get to talk, Doug. You're part of this problem. I am. I actually absolutely How much am. money did you spend on cards? Nobody needs to know that answer. No, I'm just You're kidding. part That's of not. the problem. I am. I absolutely am. Because once you open it, that 4,000 packet of cards is now worth 10 because you know what useless cards are actually inside. I just actually, before we started the podcast, watched a guy open a vintage Saiyan Saga DBZ box that he at that time bought for 300 <laughs> Like I said, now I think it sells for 2000 He went through the whole box, like the whole time, super excited, being like, I'm feeling good about this, guys. I think we're going to pull like one card that'll like make the entire investment worth it. Jesus. Long story short, it was like a half hour video of him opening 36 packs. Uh-huh. Pulled a bunch of rares, a bunch of hollows. None of them really are worth anything. And yeah, he didn't get a single uber or ultra rare that he, he was really hoping back. for. No, he didn't. He, he Even in the video, he said, he's like, this is basically worthless. And he yeah. spent $300 on it. So that's that's the very it's real possibility of it's you literally going just through it and opening them. Yeah. So yeah. It's insane. I can't wait until I can fly again. I'll fly back to my parents' house. And bitch I'll, find, I'll find my Yu-Gi-Oh! like tub the plastic tub of Yu-Gi-Oh cards i had and, and retire I'll, I'll, I'll put them back in the cases i'll get like a heat gun and seal them all up again and there just sell them because i know they're useless and worthless and garbage but if it's sealed in the pack who knows exactly. it might get better i have one single Yu-Gi-Oh card and it's a white eyes blue dragon but i don't think what? it's really worth anything that's not a thing is it white eyes blue, blue dragon or blue eyes blue, white dragon? God damn it! See, I don't even know Yu Gi Oh. Whatever. Same thing. All right. What, what That's the show only one I got into. <laughs> That's the only one I got to. Blue eyes white dragon was like the mascot, and it was so rare. Now there's. Then it became like if you buy this like tin, this Yu Gi Oh tin to hold all your cards, you get a free white eyes blue dragon and just flood at the market and use it. Yes. So I think like, that's how I even got mine. So it's like yeah. not even a legit one. It probably is worth absolutely nothing. But that yeah. being said, on Facebook Marketplace, I saw someone selling these like goofy like fan made proxies of Pokemon cards, and so- it was thick black stories and thick Charizard, no. and it's just exactly what you imagine them with just big dump truck asses. Uh, that's so, yeah. a fetish. Yeah. Oh God. Well, apparently they're making cards for that, or someone is on no. the internet. I don't want that. Yeah, nope, sorry. And I couldn't I find I couldn't find thick Venusaur for the life of me. I'm like, I feel Why like we're would in you? <laughs> what? Oh, all right. <laughs> it's, co- it's like a frog. It's covered in warts. You want to see a fat ass of that? Well, they're giving me the thick of the other two. Might as well uh, do the uh, starter Pokemon. Anyway. The, you are the problem. <laughs> I am. Anyway. Uh, speaking of video games still, technically, in a way... This podcast is <laughs> slowly drifting away from its <laughs> roots more and yeah. more. Cool. Um, uh, mm, God, I am garbage at names. Koi Tecmo is the company behind Dynasty Warriors and all the Warrior games. Koei? Koei Tecmo. Okay. They're the ones buying all those Warrior games. So it started off with like Dynasty Warriors, and it became like Samurai Warriors, and became like Orochi Warriors, and like for all variations. And then there's a bunch of spinoffs. Uh, yep. There's One Piece Pirate Warriors. Honestly, great games. Like, I, I played the third one. It, it ain't bad, and it's a great way to cover the story if you don't want to read a thousand chapters of the comics or episodes of the anime. Totally. Um, 
Hyrule Warriors. That was a spinoff. Uh, I think that's by Nintendo, but it's very clearly like their mechanics and you know their genre of games. Yeah. Um, and Dynasty Warriors, I still like them. It's just the same fucking game reskinned every year. It's just the Madden of beat 'em ups and slashing games, like all that. Very much so. Apparently, they're in the talks with Nintendo, not for Hyrule Warriors or Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity, which is the one for Breath of the Wild. Apparently, then talks for one for Mario, which is weird. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I I guess I can see it, but that's gonna be real weird. I'm definitely interested, though. Yeah. No. What? Give Mario like a fucking sword, and he's chopping up Koopas. I have just no idea. Trampling through Koopas. I can see it being more like the Mario's and Rabbits crossover. Where it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's all gonna be in Mario style. I can't imagine it's gonna be in the Dynasty Warriors style, right? Where it's realistic. Um, but I imagine it's gonna be like Mario. It's gonna be very open map. It's gonna be just a map, but it's gonna be a gigantic map you can explore. So it's not open world, but it's just a very big map. And yeah, there's gonna be areas of just constantly responding Koopas or Goombas. Uh, maybe thematically it'll fit the level of like spikes or boos, depending on the level. And yeah, it's gonna be Mario just punching and kicking and stopping his way through. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And then you unlock all the various characters. Luigi, Peach, Toad, you know, Funky Kong. I don't know. We'll throw him in there. Yeah, it's so. interesting. I don't... I need to see gameplay to even believe that it's going to work. But uh, conceptually, eh, okay. I I think because I've seen so many of these, I can already see how it's going to look in my head. And I'm just like, hell yeah, why not? The bosses of the levels are the Koopa Kids. Like... Mario's world is flushed out enough with so many ridiculous characters, you could easily fill a Dynasty Warriors S game with it, and right. still and still not have just Bowser as the boss on every single level. He'll be like the Lubu, the he'll final. Be, he'll be the badass of like, oh shit, it's Bowser. But like he, you could easily have a different boss every map and have no. I mean, they do with Zelda, so it's you know you can do a Mario, but it's game just very colorful and weird. And everything's gonna look like fondant, but. I'm definitely interested, but like I said, I'm a sucker for Dynasty Warriors games, so like, I put put Dynasty Warriors mechanics in any universe, and I'll probably buy it, or at least be intrigued by it. Right, yeah, this seems more intriguing. I'd actually just prefer it just be actually Dynasty Warriors, but Mario's a playable character, because then it's just super <laughs> violent, and you're just like, it's a me! Some of those Dynasty Warriors can, you can do custom characters, so like, you can probably get close to it. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing I want to bring up, it's not video game related, but boy, howdy, am I excited. Adult Swim's announcing movies. So they're doing movies for Aqua Teen Hunger Force, for Metalocalypse, for Venture Brothers. Oh, wow. Yo, we're getting a Venture Brothers movie. That's legit. Like, and when this came out, they announced all three at once because it's all Adult Swim properties. And mm-hmm. Metal Ocalypse is rad as hell. So that's going to be like a visual Dude, treat. It's out of the like three metal. of them, that's the one I connected with the most growing up. So yeah, I'm very excited to hear that that's coming back. Yeah, I don't. I, I watched a lot of Metal but I don't know if there was necessarily like a coherent story. I know there's like no. a weird council of like the Illuminati that controlled them or whatever, but I don't know yeah. if there's going to be like, you see Pickle's origin story or Murder Faces, like coming of age tale. Exactly. Um, but like, that's just going to be like, visually it's just gonna be metal as fuck and it's like yeah all right i'm on board with that hell yeah aqua teen hunger force there's absolutely no story there it's just weird like sketches with weird like character cutouts that's gonna be an interesting one though that'll be a fun ride 
Venture Brothers, though? Fucking Venture Brothers, though? That is one of the funniest, most clever shows I've ever seen with an actually really good overarching story that isn't, like, crucial. You don't have to see every episode to understand what's happening, but there is big overarching character lines, like, with each character, and it's nuts! Nice. So, I'm... And it, people were heartbroken to hear it canceled because that was what a staple of Adult Swim yeah. where it would take, you know, it's like Rick and Morty now where it's like, it's animation primarily done in the West here. It would take years to do. It would take two or three years between seasons. But people were so ravenous for Venture Brothers, myself included, where it's like, yeah, I'll wait four years for the next season because I know it'll only be ten episodes, but I know it's going to be good. So people were heartbroken when it got canceled out of nowhere and hoping... Hoping that it was going to be put on HBO Max because a lot of stuff is being canceled on Cartoon Network and Adult Swim, the channel, and then being switched over to the streaming service for whatever right. reason. So people were like, fingers crossed, maybe it'll be brought back for HBO Max. But the movie is like, uh, if the show can't continue, that still sucks. But if we can get a movie, that's awesome. No, that's legit. Yep. So if you're like me and excited for it, or if you're not like me and I haven't watched Adventure Month, Watch Venture Brothers. It's really good. Hell yeah. That's all I got. That's fair. Yeah, same here. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for listening, guys. Let's wrap this one up and do some plugs. Bren, you were talking about anime at one point, and I think you said (laughs) there was a tangent you were going to talk about on some other podcast. Can you maybe tell our listeners where to listen to that? The good news is I won't go into that tangent here or on that other podcast. Oh, okay. Because there was 140 episodes of that anime, and I I can't get it done in one episode. I would need, Fair. like, a whole month to get through that fucking... I got opinions on popular anime that people like. You need a therapist uh, dedicated to that one. <laughs> I need a sadomasochist to listen to my <laughs> podcast about that one. But you can hear you can uh, find me on Twitter at ABTSBrendan. And the other podcast is called Are Weeb There Yet? And it's where we watch three episodes of an anime or a movie, give a recap of it, give our opinions of it. It's a great way to find just, it's like a sampler pack of anime. If you think, hey, this seems interesting, let me hear a quick summary like in an hour format of the first three episodes, see if it's good. Uh, and it's a good way to get a taste. Sometimes anime take really fucking weird twists at weird moments. So sometimes we don't get to that twist. Sometimes we get to it real quick. So you never know. That makes sense. Yeah, listeners, definitely head over there and check that show out. Uh, if you like our show, give us a like, follow, subscribe. We're findable at all the places at ABT Silence, uh, particularly over at twitch.tv slash ABT Silence is where I'm streaming Fall Guys and Harry Potter trading card game. Tonight, I'll be streaming some Dark Cloud 2, so trying to mix it up. We'll see if there's some more variety coming down the pipes, maybe even some Kingdom Hearts 3, because I need to replay that. It's been too long. Um, but yeah. Other than that, I have a record label. It's MissedOutRecords.com if you want to see what's for sale over there. And uh, the band that does our music, our intro and outro music, is a band called Kinda Alright. Head over to KindaAllRight.Bandcamp.com for more music from them. But that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening. See you guys. See you.